This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 121. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. This is Brett Hurst. And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. All right. Well, today we are continuing a little brief two-part series on money. When we're recording this, it's the month of April, so we tend to kind of focus on dollars and cents because tax day and some other reasons there. But today's episode is called Financial Infidelity, which sounds a little scary. (laughs) But Brett, give us a, a simple definition of what financial infidelity is. Well, similar to other forms of infidelity... In this case, it's when a couple with their combined finances lie to each other about their money. Mm -hmm. They're just not being completely forthright and honest. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty simple definition. Does this mean that if I go buy a Coke for a dollar, I've got to tell you about it? Not necessarily, but... A little hypervigilant there. (laughs) Exactly. You know, some examples of financial infidelity might be hiding significant debts maybe in a secret account while your partner is unaware? Well, something we have seen a lot with young couples and engaged couples and couples that are just really even still getting to know one another is not being fully forthright about credit card debt, Mm -hmm. sometimes even student debt. They haven't even had that conversation. Yeah. Not realizing that when they get married, one spouse is going to absorb A surprise package. (laughs) A surprise package. Yeah, that's a conversation we have with our engaged couples a lot is get everything out on the table, Mm -hmm. including how much money you owe, because, man, that's a hard one to swallow after you're married. And it's a lot easier to start those conversations earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, when you even when you're first getting together. Then. Yeah, because you can come up with a plan. Right. Yeah. So hiding significant debts is is kind of a, an example of how we can have financial infidelity. Another example is making large discretionary purchases without discussing the matter with your partner. That can be pretty lethal. Yeah, it can. And this is where I think it's really great when couples have a set amount mm-hmm. that they agree upon is okay to spend without checking with the other person. Like making it up, any purchase over $200 or $500 or whatever you decide mutually. Yeah, and frankly, like Brett, when you and I were first married, that number would have been very low because we had so little money that literally, if I had spent $25 somewhere... We didn't have the latitude to... Right, we would have had to say to each other, hey... I, I spent $25. Right, know. right. But for a lot of couples, maybe you've got more discretionary spending in your mm-hmm. budget available. But to come up with an agreed upon thing, for some people, maybe that's 100 bucks for right. some couples. Right. Maybe it's $1,000 right. for other couples if they're really, really, you know, have a, lots of funds in the bank. But I just think that idea of, you know, <laughs> I think about this story I heard from this counselor who talked about this couple who was in his counseling office. And he said, one of the problems was that this husband would go and 
you know, invest in a business Mm -hmm. without telling his wife. And it was really making her feel completely, you know, unimportant and left out. And and unsafe and kind of fearful and anxious about their finances. So he describes this one session where the husband had really had an epiphany about all of this. Uh And he was describing, he said, you know, I was out on our boat the other day and I was really thinking about how much (laughs) this must negatively affect her. And I just, I'm so sorry for how I've behaved. And he goes on this long thing. And out of the blue, the wife just goes, we have a boat. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. I I love that story. And if we do have a boat, please tell me about it. I I I won't tell you about it on the air. Yeah, I want to enjoy it. (laughs) Another example is when you just straight up lie about what you spend your money on Mm -hmm. or how much you spent. Now, I will say... Brett, I used to do this when we were young and, you know, we pinched a lot of pennies there. You would say, you know, how much did you spend at the store? And I'd say $60 and you'd go, is that $69 and 99 cents or $60? We were that poor. To me, it felt like I'm in the realm there, you know, (laughs) but yeah, just lying about and we deal with this with couples, you know, just not being honest about mm-hmm. what you bought or how much it cost. You right. know? And there's, I think it goes back to, there's just embarrassment or shame or something around. This is why I think the episode we did before today's episode about your money personality mm-hmm. is helpful because when couples can understand how each other relates to money and mm-hmm. what money represents for them, kind of what makes them tick. Yeah. Then you can, you can talk, I think a little more honestly and have a little more compassion around this topic. And again, like you said earlier, you, you want to get past the nitpicky legalistic kind yeah. of thing of $69 and 99 cents yeah. or whatever. But Sometimes, you know, when you start out and if your funds are low and Mm -hmm. it used to be that all couples virtually started out, you know, near the poverty line or below it, you know, and then they just built it up today in our world of easy credit. We all think that we've got to have everything right away. And so we all start acting like we're rich and famous from from the get go. And also people are marrying at later ages. Right. So oftentimes you're very maybe established in your career. Maybe you've got lots of money in the bank. Which is driving people to marry later because they want to start their marriage. There was a time where culturally we got married while we were young and stupid and poor. Mm -hmm. And then we built up our career. We had our family. There's a lot of people now that have flipped that and said, no, I want my career to be secure. I want to have money in the bank. I want to own my own home. Mm -hmm. Then I want to get married. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It just, it can cause some issues where if you have been operating by yourself financially for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and then you marry someone and you're trying to figure out how to combine finances and talk money, that can be complicated. It was kind of easy for us when we were young and stupid and poor, because I mean, we didn't have money issues because we didn't have money. (laughs) That's right. You know, it's kind of simple. Now I'm just stupid. (laughs) We're not young, but we're still (laughs) stupid. So there's some ways that we can hide, which I think is something to talk about as a couple. One of the things is, you know, it's very common now to have paperless statements, Mm -hmm. whether that's bank statement or credit card statement. It's easy to have a secret credit card that your spouse doesn't know about. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say here, I have a family member who recently lost their spouse and the spouse had several credit cards that this person didn't know about. And after the person died, 
we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. Which they've been saddled with this huge. That they had been saddled to pay off that huge debt. Huge liability. And they had no idea. Yeah. And that can be so painful. I mean, it's hard enough to lose your spouse that you love. Right. But then have to be, you know, paying off debts that you didn't even know you had. Right. It can really be scary and, and kind of a lonely thing. So we want to be upfront. Even if you have paperless statements, just be upfront about what's going on, mm-hmm. what cards you have and right. all that. You know, unexplained withdrawals from bank accounts, you mm-hmm. know, that can be a little bit like, well, what was this $500 for? You know, mm-hmm. do we kind of know where that money went? Checks made out to cash. You know, people don't even probably write checks anymore. But the idea of because uh, I, I, I remember talking to a friend when we were young and none of us had any money. And I remember her saying, you know, when I go to the grocery store, this back when we wrote checks at the uh-huh. grocery store, she said, I'll write the check for, you know, $20 more than the actual grocery items came. And then I can get that $20 in my pocket. Pad. And he never knows that, you know, I didn't spend that on groceries. Right, right. <laughs> So, and then I think another way we can hide is just to have defensiveness or being, you know, stonewalling when the other person brings up the topic of money. So not being forthright or not being available even to have the conversation about money. Yeah, just avoiding it altogether. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think this goes to, you know, Dave Ramsey, who, you know, I'm a fan of as far as money goes. I think he can, he's, he can take complicated financial principles and make them really easy to understand. Mm -hmm. One of the things, you know, he, he says, typically there's a saver and a spender in each marriage. And that's probably true. It's an oversimplification, but yeah. But what I have seen is that typically the saver in the marriage tends to be the gatekeeper, mm-hmm. the finance gatekeeper. And that's not very fair because we have this idea that the saver is the, the angel in the relationship. Has the moral high ground. Yes. Yeah. And so the saver is the one who's like, what'd you spend? How much did you spend? Right. And so I would encourage you, if you are the saver in the marriage, step back from being that gatekeeper and mm-hmm. feeling like you're the person who has to manage every dollar because that can really make your partner feel like oh my gosh I can't even be honest about you right. know a fifty dollar expense or something yeah no good point so I think there are some tips to help one is to plan a budget I like to call a budget a spending plan because that sounds so much more fun <laughs> a little more that, active for you yeah and here's the thing that you both can agree on and stick to mm-hmm. again often Oftentimes, if you've got one who's a stickler for finances, they're the ones who sort of come up with the budget mm-hmm. and then they sort of present it to the other person. They're like, oh, well, I don't even really agree on these, you know. Doesn't do you much good to have a budget that you can't operate your household by. Exactly. You've right. got to both agree on it. Because, Either way. Yeah, you know, for sure. And then I think having some individual discretionary spending money that you don't have to explain every dollar. Mm -hmm. So, Brett, you and I have this in our budget. And this Mm -hmm. has been something that just really in the last couple of years, we've gotten really better about going, Okay, you've got this amount per month that you can just spend on whatever that looks like. For me, it includes a lot of nails and pedicure, you know, manicures (laughs) and pedicures. But it's nice to not have to say, oh, I spent this amount on a manicure. Cure when I know that I've got a set amount each month and that's my money to spend. Yeah, and I think it's a great idea. You know, I think go back to when we were young though and didn't have any money and we're literally clipping coupons and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have been a very big category for oh, us no. to have any discretionary money. You know, I yeah. mean, it was just part of where we were at that time. 
you know, if that's your reality, then somehow you've got to live in that reality. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I you're right to clarify that because that's been something that as we've gotten older, right. gotten a little more financially established, we've been able to have that surplus. Exactly. But when we were younger, you know, but I still think you could focus, even if it's $50 a month, you know, even if it's $25 a month, whatever it is, have something that's just kind of your own little pocket money. Yeah. And agree on that. I I think that's helpful for both partners. I think it's important, too, to have regular money meetings. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to make them fun. So like streamers and. (laughs) Well, I don't mean that. But like, you know, do it when you're not tired, like kind of plan it, have a glass of wine or a nice little coffee or go to dinner even and. And take your, you know, little spreadsheet or your budget or something with you. <laughs> that is fun. I mean, <laughs> just something where you can make, you can kind of look forward to it and have something. Go out for ice cream after. <laughs> <laughs> All of my comfort and rewards come in food or right. drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud. That's okay. And then also just, you know, try to make sure that you're not keeping secrets. Just be honest. Each spouse spouse each spouse <laughs> should know about every account they each spouse should have a complete picture of your financial portfolio mm-hmm. you know you and i know exactly what's in our ira accounts you know we mm-hmm. know what's in our savings accounts all of that right and th- but that only happens because we just right. communicate about it yeah. you know so like in my so i typically pay the bills you do the taxes right. you do the hard stuff in my opinion but i pay the bills but then there's a you know, conversation around, okay, this is what was paid. This is what's left in the bank. Da, mm-hmm. da, da. Mm-hmm. And I think too, if you are prone to be secretive about, you know, fi- the topic is financial infidelity. If you are one who either is just an excessive spender or you find yourself lying about money, I would just encourage you to reflect you know, and be, ask yourself, what are, what is this about? Right. Because I think it's about a deeper issue than just money. Right. Is it about that? I feel like my spouse is so controlling Mm -hmm. that I can't be honest about money. So I'm trying to control the situation. Yeah. Or, or maybe my spouse is kind of judgmental about me being a spender. And I, I feel like there's shame there. So Mm -hmm. I don't like talking about Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's hurtful. Yeah. I, I just think it's better to go ahead and lean into those conversations rather than keep avoiding them because it's just going to cause bigger problems later on. And maybe there's a bigger issue of just not being honest. True. In general. Yeah. Money or otherwise. Yeah. A big takeaway I've taken from Dave Ramsey is he'll tell people sometimes you don't really have a money problem. You have a marriage problem. Yeah. You know, and if lying or or hiding is is something that, you know, that's a deeper thing than just about money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, financial infidelity, that's a hot topic there. Yeah. Well, if you would like to connect with us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Podcast Rocket for producing this episode. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.